Welcome to Tough Cookie Talks. I'm your host, Jenna Josephowski, but you can call me Jenna J. I'm a semi-retired professional dancer, dance teacher, and yoga teacher, turned certified personal trainer and kettlebell instructor who helps active women learn to lift and get strong with equal parts challenge and compassion. After years of working in the fitness industry, I got sick and tired of watching people, including myself, run themselves into the ground trying to uphold the narrow-minded image of what our culture sees as healthy and fit. But instead of giving it all up, I decided that I'd rather change the game call out the BS, extract the good, and help others learn to use movement as a way to build themselves up rather than tear themselves down. On this podcast, we'll explore the intersection of fitness and anti-diet culture and all the gray areas in between. We'll let go of shoulds and judgments and dig into tough conversations with curiosity. Things get pretty spicy around here, so grab your headphones and let's do this. Hey friends, welcome to Tough Cookie Talks. I am so, so, so excited for this week's podcast episode because the person I'm about to be interviewing was really, really instrumental in my journey, not only in helping me dig myself out of diet culture and heal my own body image, but even just in terms of encouraging me to start doing things more online, to start my online business, to start my own podcast, all of that. Uh, We really have her to thank, and I got my start listening to her podcast back in the day, so this episode feels really full circle, and I'm really excited to be able to share her work with you today. Today, we're talking to Summer Inanen, and Summer is a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence. She's the host of the podcast, Eat the Rules, and the creator of You on Fire, which is an online group coaching program designed to help people get free of body shame. She also co-runs the Body Image Coach Certification Program with Danny Adams to train professionals to be better equipped to work with clients around body image. She helps people all over the world stop living behind the numbers on their scales through her private and group coaching at summerinanen.com. I will link to all of the information about Summer in the show notes, but right now just enjoy this episode because Summer has so many great things to share. Hey, Summer, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jenna. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. It's almost surreal to have you on my podcast after being on your podcast and then also having... I guess, listen to your podcast for so many years. You were my first intro, as I mentioned, to a lot of the kinds of work that I'm doing today. So for those who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about you, who you are and what you do and how you came to be doing what you do today? Sure. So I'm Summer Inanen. I'm a professionally trained life coach, but I specifically specialize in body image and self-worth and confidence. And I've been doing that exclusively for almost like at least nine years, if not 10 years now, I'd have to go back and look at when I switched because <laughs> prior to that, I was, I was working as a, as a nutritionist for, for a while um, until I, I really realized uh, that the, the, the harm that, <laughs> that was really enmeshed in, in the work that I was doing as it relates to diet culture and healthism and things like that. And, Um, and so, uh, now I help people who have, you know, struggled with their relationship with their bodies and just want to be accepting of their bodies and feel good in their skin. So I help those people to do that. And I also teach other professionals how to help their clients, uh, with that as well through our body image coach certification program that I do with my colleague, Danny, Emma Poundcake Adams. 
Um, but I got into it, I think probably, you know, like yourself and a lot of other people listening. I just, I don't remember a time where I felt good in my body and I spent decades just dieting and over exercising. And I was on this quest to, you know, try and lose the weight once and for all. Like that was just, I felt like that was all I thought about and all I did. And that was like my purpose was to try and and do that. And with every attempt, I would maybe feel good for like a day or an hour or five minutes. And it was just never enough. And I was on this cycle of, you know, like re- severely restricting, severely over exercising. And then, you know, the weekends would roll around and I would eat everything that's not locked away and repeat the cycle over and over and over for many, many years. And, um, and I was so invested in it. I honestly thought everything I was doing was healthy. I really did. I, I, I literally thought this is like, this is really healthy. I'm being the healthy one. Um, even though in hindsight now it's like, you know, looking back and watching the Gwyneth Paltrow talk about what she eats. It's like, no, that is not healthy at all. You know, right. in, in my mind, it felt really, really healthy. And, uh, and that, and so I, you know, I actually left my corporate job and, and pursued a career as a nutritionist for a few years to help other people to, you know, get their, like help them with health issues and, and help them with weight loss, which I know is extremely harmful now, but at the time that was kind of the paradigm that I was working within. And it wasn't until I had my own wake up call moment where, you know, my hormones started to really suffer as a result of all the over exercising, um, that I was doing that, um, I, I finally met, I met with several doctors, most of them, created more harm in my mind in terms of increasing my disordered habits. Finally, I met a doctor who actually was like, Summer, you are not eating enough. You are exercising way too much. Your hormones are that of a postmenopausal woman. Um, you need to, you need to stop. And so that was really sort of like this wake up call moment I had when I was about 32 years old, which was 12 years ago now. And, um, and that's when I started to really like had, that's when I had to confront that everything I thought was healthy was actually extremely damaging. Um, and that I had a disordered relationship with food and exercise. Cause I really, I just didn't think I did. And it wasn't until that moment that it was like, you actually do and you need to get some support around that. Um, and so I went on, you know, that sort of journey to heal all of those things and work with different professionals. And um, as I was doing that, I started to change how I worked with people in my nutrition practice because I noticed the same thing over and over. You know, these women would come to me and they would just be like so unhappy with their body and they wanted to lose weight and they couldn't stick to it and they would be binging. And like, it was just, it was the same thing. And, it, and as soon as I, as I had stepped out of it myself, I could see it for what it was. And I started to really change how I worked with people. And I discovered intuitive eating and things like that. And I just realized that really at the crux of all of this is the way we feel about our bodies and the way that we've attached our worth to how we perceive our bodies. Um, and so I wanted to help people specifically with that thing. And so that's why I went back and, and took um, a few different coaching courses and really started to work with people specifically in that capacity because I I felt that if we could really address the body image piece of the puzzle then then we wouldn't be stuck in that cycle of you know constantly thinking that we need to restrict our food or over exercise or things like that yes and it's interesting because I do remember your story but I think I kind of forgot it because it's been so long since we've talked about that 
But your story is not unlike my story, and it is not unlike the story of many, many people that listen to this podcast. It's so common, and we do then get so into it and develop an interest in like helping other people be healthy. And a lot of us really perpetuated a lot of harm. But on the flip side, the work you're doing now, I think just has such wonderful ripple effects. And as I mentioned, your work was really instrumental to my own journey in accepting my own body when I was first trying to let go of diet culture and getting into all of this. And so for those that are in that place that maybe both of us once were, where you're like, okay, this isn't working for me anymore. I have to do something differently. Where do you even start? Yeah, it's a really good question, right? And I think that like for a lot of people, when I work with them, I encourage them to really think about why they want to to move more towards just accepting their body, like what what would be possible for them and and to really look at the damage that was being done before. So what you know, what was really the downside of dieting for for you? Um, and to just think about both sides of that and, and to really, um, open yourself up more to the possibilities that can exist by accepting your body and by no longer dieting, like what freedoms would that afford you? Um, how much time and energy would that free up? What could you do with that time and energy instead? Um, which I think sometimes you don't even know until you've actually then experienced it and you realize how much of a like a soul-sucking animal (laughs) it was to have that diet brain in your head um so just getting clear on why and then you know I think I'm sure you've probably talked about this a million times but like I think that the one of the most important things we can do is really look at what inputs we're taking in and and make a make a change to to those inputs and so what I mean by inputs is the things in your environment that are making you believe that thinner is better um, we want to get rid of as many of those things that are really contributing to that belief system that thinner is better. And so things like the media that you're consuming, social media specifically can have um, a massive influence. The, the articles that you're reading, the emails that you subscribe to, the bodies that you're looking at, um, and then uh, from a, a, a like a more individual perspective, like the clothes in your closet if you if your closet is filled with stuff that's like too tight or was is a is a size that you're aiming for by you know going through punitive measures like restriction and over exercising like all of like keeping those in your closet are are just reinforcing that you know your current body isn't good enough and and thinner is better stepping on the scale is another one that just continues to reinforce that your body isn't good enough you know you need to be thinner um and other other kind of tracking measures, you know, like sometimes for people, it might be like their Fitbit, 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 should be <laughs> Fitbit, or like My Fitness Pal. Um, all of these inputs, right? So if you if you even just like take like a like like t- just take stock of these, like think about your day and think about what you're doing in that day and all the different things that are reinforcing that thinner is better. Like even like, it could be like some of the food products that you eat that have like the word skinny on them or something. Yep. Do they still make those? I feel like they still do. They do. (laughs) In fact, I almost posted in my Instagram stories about it. I was just drinking like a, like a bubbly water. I forget what brand it was. And it said innocent across (laughs) it. And like, because other beverages are guilty, like what? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So like all that stuff. And I mean, some of it you you, you maybe don't want to get rid of because you really like watching The Bachelor or whatever. But um, but you want to think about eliminating as much of that as as, as you can and then adding stuff that's going to support a belief that, you know, that that fat and thin are just neutral descriptors, that all bodies are worthy of respect. And so, you know, one of the best ways to do that is by listening to other people's stories. So listening to podcasts like yours, podcasts like mine, all the other ones that are out there reading books by people that are writing stories about their own experiences with their body and healing their relationship with their body. Um, There's so many now <laughs> you know like I, I mean I could list off a few but there's there's just like there's you know dozens and dozens of them now whereas before there weren't that many and which is really right. great and um and yeah and following people on social media who you know who are in bodies that look the same as yours or larger than yours especially um and really using that to to challenge the belief system that that's holding you back that's I feel like that always has such a huge difference on people when you're newer to this work because even if you're not totally ready to fully invest yourself emotionally into the process um just changing up your environment can can help facilitate that because I think the longer that we continue to consume these messages that really reinforce that thinner is better the harder it is to to break free of that paradigm um and then beyond that I think you know learning self-compassion like actually learning how to start to speak to yourself in a way that you know is is kind is comforting uh it doesn't have to be like super positive it's not like hey I'm beautiful but it's more just like meeting yourself where you're at and offering yourself a sense of self-compassion, like, you know, Hey, you're doing okay today. You know, like that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I know that sounds cheesy too, but, um, but that is a huge piece of it. Cause the way we speak to ourselves is really going to define, you know, how we feel about ourselves. Yeah. And sometimes that voice inside of your head, like you actually take a step back and listen to it and it's like, Oh wow, I'm being a massive asshole to myself. Yeah. Big time, big time. I know. So changing that narrative is really important. And, um, and I think, I mean, there's so many different ways to do that. And I think, you know, if you struggle with it, get, getting support around it is extremely helpful because someone talking to somebody about it is going to be help you really see the forest through the trees and give you more specialized tactics to, to address it. But from an overall perspective, like even just noticing that narrative and the voice of your inner critic and starting to really challenge it and, um, and intentionally be kinder to yourself is going to go a long way. Yeah. And in, in thinking about now, it's funny, I'm going on a trip down memory lane because I remember going through that process of like unfollowing on social media and refollowing and getting rid of things. And it's weird how sometimes you don't realize that the things that are around you are actually like low key kind of triggering mm-hmm. until I'm like, Oh my God, look at all, like, I can remember going through cookbooks even and like things that I had been holding on to for God even knows why I had these things in the first place, but I did, you know, like different books and clothes and you don't realize like the memories that you have associated with those things. And when you're able to let go of them, it's almost like, I don't want to say it's fun, because like, it's awful. Like I can remember that first clean out of my closet. I was, I, I told myself, 
that I was going to like put on some gangster rap and handle it. And I'm just like sitting there listening to like rap music from the early 2000s, like sobbing over all the jeans that I had to get rid of. But like, once I got it done, I felt like such a boss. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. 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 Everybody's experience with it is so different. And I remember shedding many tears over like the designer clothes. Cause I had a, corporate job and I was so I I had like a lot of designer clothes yeah (laughs) and I remember having to get rid of so many things and like it was so upsetting because it wasn't it was it was what the size represented to me and it was also like the you know the investment of like right money and (laughs) but um but ultimately like to open your closet and be like okay I can you know like okay I can just grab this it fits there's no stress like it, it has such a huge um like you can't even put a price tag on what that does for your mental health right right a hundred percent and you have this really lovely way of meeting clients where they are and then also inviting them to dive deeper and I've got to say I really have to thank you for that and I want to talk a little bit more just about intersectionality and why it's important to dig into the deeper systemic issues like racism, fat phobia, transphobia, like all of those things when it comes to accepting your body because I remember not really even realizing how those things were interconnected And when I came to, I mean, all of your resources, but I remember specifically your podcast, you never made me feel like I was stupid for not knowing what these things are, but you were also like, come here, let's talk about systemic racism and let's listen to this person and their story. And so, yeah, anyway, moral of the story, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because it is important. And I think something that if people don't dive into, they're going to be skimming the surface and all of this body image work is going to, in a way, be like a Band-Aid fix. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, I was like you too, right? Like I, I didn't, I didn't know that side of it. And when I first got into this, I really saw, you know, from a more like individual perspective versus this like, you know, collective issue. Um, and I think that comes because I'm a, you know, because of the privileges that I hold, like I'm in a short size body, I'm, I'm white, I'm middle-class, like I, grew up middle class. And so, you know, there's a lot that there are a lot of knowledge gaps that I had. And I think a lot of us have. Right. And so um, I think that what is really important to understand is just that, like, you know, our 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 body image is the result of of social oppressions as well as, you know, personal experiences that we've had. Although I would argue that a lot of those personal experiences are really the result of the the overarching, you know, sort of belief systems from the dominant um, the dominant narrative, um, and so social oppressions just be, you know, like you said, being things like white supremacy and um, transphobia and ableism and uh, ageism and fat phobia and all that stuff, right? That all kind of goes under that umbrella, and depending on the identities and privileges that you hold, you're going to experience um, different levels of of oppression or or privilege. And so someone who is, um, for example, someone who is fat and black is going to have you know, different experiences than, than you or I is, are going to have as it relates to how their body is viewed and how it exists in this world and how it is treated in this world. And so I think that 
it's really important to understand that the root of this is really coming from these social oppressions, because if we want to truly have liberation for all bodies, we have to look at how all bodies are, are treated in our culture and, and really confront our own internal biases, um, which we all have. Um, no one's perfect. No one's free of carrying any kind of bias. We all have them, um, whether they're conscious or unconscious. Um, and really look at, you know, the systems that need to be abolished or changed in order to do that. And I think that, you know, if if you just do this work as like an individual, that's that's totally fine. But then what about everybody else? You know, like what about everybody else who's still experiencing, you know, racism or weight stigma or things like that? And so I think this this journey can you know, like the gateway is doing it for yourself. And I think that that's a really great stepping stone to then understanding these larger issues that are really oppressing all bodies and, and that can help us. And the time and energy that we gain back by doing this work can then help us to advocate, make change, become involved in, in different things within your community or your country or whatever um, that are going to help to um, change some of these systems as well as help the next generation to be like better advocates and better allies um, for some of these things. And so I think, you know, my, my suggestion for everyone is just to read authors that don't look like you, you know, read books from people who, you know, who don't look like you. And there's um, a lot of amazing books that really talk about the, the, the racist history of, of fat phobia. Um, Deshaun Harrison's Belly of the Beast is a really good one. Um, you know, Sabrina Strings, Fearing the Black Body. Um, Jessica Wilson has a new one called It's Always It's It's Always Been Ours. Um, you know, I saw you posted like Chrissy King's book. You know, there's so many good ones out there that I and think they keep are... coming out. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just as you were naming some of these, I was thinking about linking to I did an episode last season, I forget what number it was. Um, but it was with Jen Radke of Fat Girl Book Club, and she went through and gave a bunch of different recommendations. And as we're talking about this, I'm like, okay, we got that one, we got that one, but like Jessica Wilson's one, like that's new. I don't know yeah. about that one. Chrissy King's I just got in the mail yesterday. So yeah they're like, they just, they keep rolling out and it's so exciting. Aubrey Gordon just wrote another one. Yeah. And I think I, you know, I always think a good starting one for people is Sonia Renee Taylor's The Body is Not an Apology. I yes. feel like that's a really good entry point for people, especially if they're like much newer to this. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, cause I think it's really important to understand how, like how, you know, certain bodies are, are treated differently in our culture, whether that's related to access to to healthcare, um, the way that they, that individuals feel safe just existing in their neighborhood or in their, in their country. Um, and the way that different bodies are policed, uh, and, and understanding the, that like how that impacts, like the, the beliefs we have about our, our own body. Um, and, you know, I feel like that's really missing from the mainstream body positivity, uh, space yeah um, is those conversations you know so and and I and I feel like that's if that's where you stay then you're you're missing like this whole other piece of it that's actually going to help change the culture right and I feel almost also like deeply roots you into your belief about this because a lot of times like you can have a hard time and like I guess 
what am I trying to say here? You can look at another person and be like, this is okay for you, but maybe like not okay for me mm-hmm. to exist in such a way. But then when you like realize what's actually going on in the world and then you get angry about it, there, there almost comes, I think like a point of no return where you're like, oh my God, this is so fucked. And like, I, I don't know how else to explain it other than the fact that like when you go deep with it, it's also, I don't know. I just, I can't ever imagine to going back to dieting mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form, because it goes against so many things that are just completely fucked up about the entire world. Yeah. That's a really good point, right? Like it's like about really like, you know, breaking down your value system. Cause I think a lot of us, like our value system was really built on, on, diet culture and and things that we'd learn from you know the 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 capitalistic patriarchal culture that we live in and right um and when you start to really open your eyes to this stuff your whole value system changes sometimes not entirely but different aspects of your value system change and I think that um that's a positive thing because it can anchor you in like why this is important for for yourself as well as the well-being of others Yeah. I remember when I first got into it, it was right around, uh, it was like summer 2016. And so you're, you're in Canada, you lucky soul. Um, it was, um, around the time that that very special president got elected, um, in 2016 in America. And I was so pissed. Mm -hmm. And as I was like hearing stuff that was coming out in the news about things he had done and said, he, and I'm like, this is the same shit sandwiches diet culture. It was like, it was just a big blowing up of my whole world, realizing that the diet culture things that were bringing me down were the systemic things that I was so pissed off about mm-hmm. that kind of really came to a head um, when Trump was elected. So yeah, Ugh, I remember that. It was an awful, <laughs> it, it was an awful time to be alive, but I just remember being like, oh my God, this is the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 no oh my god I, I had a couple bad reviews when I spoke about him on the podcast just <laughs> oh my just god I'm like, like keep him coming I have I have a one-star <laughs> review that's actually hilarious on my yeah review. they are hilarious they're um, like how dare you <laughs> yeah it, it, it was speak about him that way <laughs> it was funny it's like Jenna J hates the constitution I'm like <laughs> <laughs> like I'm laughing it's like hilarious it, it it y'all if you if you want a good laugh just like scroll down to my podcast reviews yeah same, same 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 yeah I'm like I actually hope people read that because then they'll really understand what this podcast is about yeah <laughs> truly bring like it on that, I'd be like oh I'm, I'm gonna read this girl's podcast she hates the constitution <laughs> that would appeal to me oh my god okay so what advice would you have for somebody who is bumping up against these systemic issues? So AKA, like they want to accept their body. And I think a lot of my clients, especially like get this idea in their head where they're like, I should be able to accept my body. I don't want to obsess over weight loss anymore, but they also still care. And sometimes it's come not just coming from a place of like, you know, wanting to feel cuter or whatever, but literally maybe having a hard time finding certain clothing in their size or, you know, traveling comfortably, fitting into an airplane seat comfortably, facing different types of discrimination in their life. What would you tell somebody in that situation? Yeah, I think first of all, you know, like whatever 
feelings you're having are totally valid because the it's not fair and it's and it is really shitty that there are so many things that are inaccessible to all bodies and I and I do you know I think it's important that again I acknowledge that I'm coming from a place of of privilege that being in a straight size body and I think so I always encourage people to really seek out communities of other individuals who um who have the same lived experiences as them and there's so many good ones out there now um there's so many good, like whether it's just like a Facebook group or meetups or things like that, where people can, where you feel less alone in, in, in dealing with those kinds of, uh, dealing with those kinds of struggles. Um, so seeking out other communities to, to really support you with people who also share that experience. Um, and also just knowing that like your feelings are, are totally hundred percent valid and it and it just it isn't fair and it's 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 not good and and people who want to be allies um should be helping to try and and change these things so for example if you go into a store and they don't carry a certain size or you go to a restaurant and you notice that like the seats will only fit certain bodies like to those are really good opportunities to to say something and to speak up or just to you know send a letter to the company or the manager or whatever um because that can help the the larger collective and i don't think that that should be on the backs of the people experiencing the oppression to have to do that right and i'm going to add to that too some other things for like fellow online business people who sell merch for example making sure that you're only working with and promoting companies that have like size inclusive things or that have good ethics around like how they're promoting products and stuff like that um, and there was something else I was going to add, but, but I forget, I can definitely remember. Um, and this is how, you know, you've made it, I guess, when like somebody like, you know, slides into your DMS and asks you to like promote their leggings. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, <laughs> hmm, what sizes do you carry? Yeah. Yeah. Let's work on that and then come back. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've bumped up against that a few times as well. And I think that, um, and a lot of brands will call themselves size inclusive and they're not, or they have like three things that are. And so, right. They only have like up to an extra large and I'm like, mm, do better. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And so like calling that out when you see that, if, you know, if, if, if you have the bandwidth to do it, um, I think goes a long way just towards helping other people too. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with you a hundred percent on the community piece and, and trying to find, I guess your people. And sometimes online is the only place that you can find it. And I think sometimes like as, you know, straight size providers working with people, we can hold that space for, for them, for example, where we can, you know, promise to like, at least in my case, like personal training, I know that's different than what you do facilitate a session that is sensitive to like what they need in their body and not push or promote intentional weight loss or anything like that and agree with them that their doctor was, you know, being a dick in their last appointment and, and give them space to, I guess, feel supported in that. But at the end of the day, that community of people who understand you is going to be more valuable than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, totally. You know, really anybody totally. can, can provide to you. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk about like what like how how people who are like providers can help 
support clients. So I'll save something I was going to say till then. Let's actually, you know what, let's jump into that question right now, because I think this is a good segue into that. Um, so somewhere for those of us who are coaches in smaller bodies, how can we better support our clients in more marginalized bodies? What do you wish you knew about this early on? Yeah. So I think that like, you know, depending on your role, like your role isn't to, you know, like fix people or necessarily like help them feel positive about a situation that's truly shitty, like discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's like, to just to that point, you know, if, if a client is feeling really upset because they could not find clothing in their size or um, they were no longer able to go to an amusement park because they could not fit on the rides, um, you know, I think sometimes there's like this inclination to almost like find some sort of a silver lining or or help them feel okay about it. And I don't think we should do that. Um, I think that we really need to um, help to just validate um, the experience and help them just, just have space, like um, uh, hold space for whatever emotions they, they have about that, because I think there can be a lot of grief that comes up in that process uh, for people. Uh, So that's one thing. Um, I think the other thing along with that is just not inserting your experience into somebody else's. Yeah. So, you know, like this whole narrative of like, I can do it. So you can too, is really bullshit when you if you're holding a lot more privilege than somebody else <laughs> like, yeah 100 um, you have to really think about like how that's landing with someone who who is who, who has a different identity to you yeah um, you know and so I think that like not you know what I encourage people to do is like I think storytelling can be can be helpful and, and we can use that in in different different ways like whether that's through you know whether it's through like you know a podcast or blogging or whatever um but really being mindful of like just acknowledging you know your own privilege in that story Mm. um and not using that as a way to like sell your skills you know like your skills should come from whatever training you have that make you good at something not just because you've had like one experience with something um and so I think that's one of them. And then the other thing is just, you know, like I think a lot of practitioners just has, still have a lot of knowledge gaps and don't understand things like the social determinants of health and how that influence and like what exactly those things are under each of those umbrellas that influence um, someone's health outcomes and their own experiences and things like that. And so um, I feel like if you're a practitioner, like we need to just constantly be like investing in, um, in learning and and paying, (laughs) paying people with, you know, in marginalized bodies and things like that to, um, like to attend their workshops, to attend their trainings, to buy their books and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I don't want to make it sound like I, I like know it all or do it all here by any means, but I'm, I feel like I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly trying to sort of invest in stuff that's going to help me, you know, do better and, and know more than I knew before. Cause I just feel like it's never ending. Like we all still hold these biases and things like that. Right. And that's, I think true of any profession, but especially when you're trying to like divest from being so immersed in diet culture, this specific realm of continuing education is so, so important. Yeah, absolutely. I just think that there's like, you know, especially when I just see like kind of mainstream body positivity, there's just a lot of like, Ooh, like, 
you know, who are you actually helping, <laughs> you know, who yeah. are you speaking to? And, um, and, and I don't fault the individual, but I think that some people kind of stop their learning really short. And, you know, like if you're bending over and like talking about how you have stomach rolls, but you have to like bend over like golem to like make your yeah. stomach actually roll <laughs> And then, you know, like that stuff's not helping people. <laughs> like that might be right. helping other thin people, but that's not like, that's not landing well with everybody. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes we just have to get uncomfortable in that. Like we have to be, we have to be willing to get uncomfortable in order to learn and grow. And and sometimes that means feeling like, oh shit, like maybe I shouldn't have posted that or um, I can think about this differently next time. And, and I'm totally guilty of that. Like I used to Same. post pictures like that back, um, like many years ago. And then I remember I said, okay, I'm not doing this ever again, because I realized that it was actually doing a lot of harm, even yeah. though those are the ones that are always the most popular. Well, um, and I remember like being in that point and really struggling, ju- just really struggling with all of that because my own, body image issues at that time felt so real and so intense that mm-hmm. I think it's just, it's a spot in your journey, but it is not a place to stay. It's a place to continue to grow from. And it makes me think of a couple of things. First of all, how sometimes like the, like the layers of marginalization, I guess, or like the kinds of spaces that you might be in. I'll use my experience as a dancer, for example, where in a dance setting, in an audition, I might be the largest person in the room. Mm -hmm. And that was a really hard thing for me to swallow at that time. It's like, what do you mean? I have thin privilege. I'm like the biggest person in this dance class, but like out in the actual world with other humans that are not dancers, my experience was very different. And so I think there's definitely like a place to process that on your own and move forward um, in a way that's not as harmful to others. But I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit about this idea of fat is not a feeling because that was something that I had such a hard time with when I got into this work. People are like, fat is not a feeling. I'm like, what are you talking about? I feel fat. But like, it was so harmful hmm Yeah. Yeah. We need to be well, putting out there. Can we break that down and talk about why we want to stop saying things like I feel fat, quote unquote? Yeah. Well, like, how do you think a fat person feels when you say you feel like them and the feeling is shitty? Yeah. It's not very good, right? Like right. so um so fat and thin are are just neutral descriptors. And again, it's like so much of this on an individual level is about getting rid of this belief that thin is better and fat is bad right so right anytime that we're using language that reinforces that fat is a is a bad thing is a negative thing um is is going to not be helpful for us <laughs> individuals and most importantly not going to be helpful for other people in your life or this culture at all um and so that's the one thing just in terms of of the word and then from an emotional perspective like it's not it's not an emotion it's not get a feelings wheel it's not on the feelings wheel right um get a feelings wheel damn it i have a link to a feelings wheel in the show notes funny funnily but um but anyways no like i think you know what we're saying when we're saying that is we're 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 using that word to articulate feelings of that are that are different than that. So it's feelings of like disgust or shame or 
um, inadequacy. And we haven't, we have, we don't have the language for those things because we've just been conditioned to use this umbrella term of, of, of fat, um, which is, is extraordinarily damaging um, yeah. to people who are actually fat. If you're associating that with, with those emotions and those, those feelings, right? Yeah. And so it also doesn't help us at all because what's the solution? If you feel fat, well, then you have to lose weight to feel better. And so, whereas if we can actually articulate like what we truly feel, so maybe you felt disgust or shame or anxiety or whatever, then it puts you in a much better position to actually be able to tend to whatever that emotion is. Because if you're feeling anxiety, then maybe there's some other ways for you to cope with that emotion. Or if you're feeling disgust, maybe there's some other ways for you to cope with that emotion. And so um, becoming really attuned to labeling what our feelings are and not using the language of diet culture and the language of fat phobia um, to do that is is super, super helpful. And that's like also one of the things I know we talked about early on, like what's one of the things that people can do if they're newer to this work. And that's actually one of the things I have people do from like the get-go is remove any negative connotations to bigness from your vocabulary. So, because sometimes we don't, we say things like, oh, like my stomach is so huge. That has the same impact because we're still associating bigness with this bad thing. And so we Uh want to really censor that language within ourselves and just go a level deeper and say, okay, what am I actually feeling emotionally? And like I said, you can get like a feelings wheel to help you with that if 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 you're unable to do that. Because I think for a lot of us, we've just been conditioned for so long to use um to use that language, like fat phobic language to describe how we feel. Um, but it's just like, it's just extraordinarily harmful. I know I've said that like four times in this, but I just need to bring that Don't do it. (laughs) But also to your point, when we're talking about the feelings wheel, I'm also thinking about physical sensations as somebody who tends to be very sensory. Sometimes that feeling is also a physical thing, like tightness in your pants. For example, when we talk about that, like it can be also adjusted by a wardrobe change or a change in environment or, you know, any other numbers of things. So I guess that's just to say sometimes it is an emotional feeling and sometimes it is like a physical sensation that. Yeah. And even that you can, you can label it that yeah. label it for what it is. So like, I'm right. feeling like I'm, I'm just, I'm noticing how my belly is really rubbing on my pants. Right. Um, like I, I'm noticing that like my thighs are really, you know, rubbing together or, yeah. or like I'm noticing that like it feels different when I bend over whatever it is, but really using like more descriptive neutral language is also going to be to be really helpful. And I think sometimes there is like an emotional there is an emotion there, too. Yeah, um, that is also just, you know, just to be to be curious about. And I also um, I just want to also like be really clear that like I'm not saying never to use the word fat like I think there's a lot of people who are fat who use it as a descriptor for themselves because they choose to do that they self-identify that way Mm -hmm. and that's great like let's make fat a positive word or just a neutral descriptor but that's really up to an individual to decide for themselves sure exactly and I was thinking a little bit about what you said when you're talking about kind of identifying that feeling that's underneath it And I'm seeing a lot of parallels between how I approach clients who still kind of want weight loss, because when we dig underneath that, a lot of times 
we're not actually helping that person. If we're like, okay, I'm going to help you lose 10 pounds when maybe the reason they thought they needed to lose 10 pounds was because they wanted to feel less winded going up the stairs. And they thought that losing 10 pounds would solve that problem. But in actuality, we could address, you know, some strength or some stamina or something else under there. And uh, to quote imperfectly, uh, Kate Brown, who was on the podcast a while back, she said something that was great that I think applies to this, which is that underneath every goal weight is a goal emotion or a goal state of being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It goes the same way, right? It's like, fat is not a feeling and thin is not a feeling either. Cause I know people will say like, well, I just like the way I feel when I'm smaller and um, it's like, what is that really that you enjoyed about it? You know, was it like this sense of power, the sense of control, this sense of validation that you got, like mm. there's a lot more associated with it. And I think a lot of times it's related to the social currency that we get from yes, um, social currency from being in a smaller body. And also just, I think for a lot of people, it's a sense of control. Um, cause I know that that's a huge thing for people who engage yes. in is like, it gives you this sense of, of control. Um, and so, uh, and so, yeah, so being curious about that too, cause it's often, it's not, it's not just, you know, it's not just the body size. There's, there's something else there that is really, um, causing us to, you know, feel this way or say these, say these words. Yes, that is so true. That is such a great point. What else do you want to add? Is there anything else that you feel like you really want the people here to know or to take home from this episode? Uh, I mean, I could talk about this stuff all day long. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we covered some really good stuff. (laughs) We did. We did cover some really good stuff. Um, People always can check out your work as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about where we can find you, how we can follow you, how we can pay you for your services. I know that um, you work with clients and then you also have a coach's uh, body image coaching program. So tell us more about all of those things. Sure. So, I mean, first of foremost, um, you can find me at thebodyimagecoach.com, but um, my podcast is Eat the Rules. Um, It's been around for nine years. (laughs) So... There's a lot of episodes there. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I work with people in my group program, you on fire who are looking for, uh, support around feeling better in their own body. And, um, and I also train professionals with my colleague, Danny Adams. We run the uh, body image coach certification program. Um, she teaches a lot of the work around the social justice integration um, and working with clients, like when you hold different identities and things like that. And I teach um, a lot of the stuff around like, here are some tools and frameworks you can use with clients to really support them in their in their body image. And it's for any it's for personal trainers. It's for doctors. It's for um, the dietitians. It's for therapists. It's for coaches. We've had like so many different kinds of people take our program. Yeah, that's, that's super exciting. And I think definitely something uh, for a lot of us to put on our our bucket list for, for things that, things that we want to do in the future. That sounds so good. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Summer, this was so good. And friends, I would definitely encourage you to go check out all of summer stuff, especially if you're I think number one, if you're looking for some help with the body image piece, but also I think if you're just looking for some creative, like different directions to take this or deeper next steps to take, because I know you've 
at this point, have you interviewed like every single person ever on your podcast? I feel no, like you have there's no so many good guest interviews. Yeah, but there's like a couple I can think of immediately who like never got back to me. So <laughs> get back to her. <laughs> uh, I'm close. I'm close. <laughs> I mean, nine years worth. There is lots of good stuff to dig in yeah 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 and I have I have a series called the body image series which are solo episodes that I do and there's so many of those too and I feel like that's a really good place for people to start there's a whole tab on my website if you go to summerinandin.com forward slash body image series that has like all of those episodes too which are which are super helpful for people good I will link to all of the above in the show notes amazing thanks so much hey thanks for being here summer thank you I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Summer as much as I did. As always, I will link to how to follow Summer, how to work with Summer, her podcast, all of the things in the show notes. So definitely check that out. That's all I have for today, friends. Have a great day. Have a great week. And we'll talk soon. Thanks again for tuning into Tough Cookie Talks. I'm so glad you're here. If you want to learn more about me and how we can work together, visit my website, itsjennaj.com or follow and tag me on Instagram at itsjennaj. I would love to hear from you. If you like this episode and want to hear more, make sure you click subscribe and follow along so that you don't miss a single show. Then take a moment and leave me a five-star rating and review so that we can help this podcast and this message reach even more people. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.